We're going to have a little fun in kicking off today's message by doing a little quiz about your knowledge of superpowers that various superheroes had, all right? And so you, if you get one wrong on this test, you fail. That's how it works. So you might as well just stop watching if you get one wrong. No. First, here we go, Aquaman. Remember him? Aquaman was one of my favorites. Uh, here's the question. Was one of his powers, this is all, all these questions are about, just one of their powers. Was it able to fire wa- streams of water? Was it able to talk to fish? Was it able to walk on water? And some of you are saying, you know, that walk on water sounds familiar. That was Jesus, all right? Not Aquaman. The correct answer, pick it in your head or whisper it to your neighbor, whichever. It is B. He was able to talk to fish. How cool is that, huh? Next, Supergirl. She's uh, got her own show these days. Was she able to become invisible? Was she able to attract boys? Was she able to run at superhuman speeds? She was able to attract boys, but that's not a supernatural dynamic. That is a very natural dynamic there. The correct answer is C. She was able to run at human speeds. Next, storm. Is she able to control the weather? Is she able to provide an accurate 10-day forecast? Is she able to glow in the dark? A. A. She is able to control the weather. All right. Next, Thor. This is a, he's a Norwegian. Many say I look like him. I would agree personally. I see the resemblance. Is he able to lift his hammer, able to fly, or a, this is a tricky one here, or able to drive a nail with a single swing? Tricky in the, this, so you got your answer, I'm going to start explaining. Yes, he probably could drive a nail with a single swing, but so can some of you, you know, muscle-bound carpenters. He's, I think he's able to fly. Technically, he would throw his hammer and then just hold on to it and be jerked around. That's, he wasn't flying technically. He was throwing himself around. The correct answer is able to lift his hammer. He was the only one able to do that. Next. Underdog. Every day when I was in elementary school, I would walk home for lunch and watch Underdog. And oh, the... Sweet memories of that. Was he able to read minds, able to fetch a stick, able to blow up a phone booth? The correct answer is C. Uh, He had no respect for public utilities at all. And when Polly Purebred was in danger, Shoeshine Boy would go into the phone booth to change into his outfit and blow it up. I don't know why, but every time it would explode and he would save the day. I'm just curious, how many of you got all of them right? Raise your hand if you got every one of them right. There are a few and not many. And I'm not sure you should be proud that you got them all right either. There's something about superpowers that mesmerize us. You know, this concept is just intriguing. My son, when he heard about this opening illustration to my message, he wanted to help me. He's like, Dad, let me tell you about this superhero, and let me tell you about these superpowers. And you could just see his excitement grow with the topic. It's connected with our culture. It's something about 
dreaming about having capacity to do something so well that it's beyond what is natural or human. Could it be that the fascination with superpowers is there because God planted that in us? I think it is. I think God gave us a fascination with this concept and he put it in us precisely because that's what he wanted to do in us. Folks, as this message progresses, we're about to discover that God wants to give each Christian a superpower, a supernatural capacity to do something extraordinarily well in service of him. We're in a series called Mighty Men, where we are studying this often overlooked chapter in the middle of the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 23. At the conclusion of King David's life, God says, before I end David, I need to tell you about some of his friends, because they were extraordinary. They were superheroes, if you will. And God said, they will inspire you, and they will guide you. You can follow their example. And so we turn now to study this guy by the name of Shammah. Last week we looked at Eleazar. Well, today, Shammah. Page 326, if you're using the Bible in front of you. It says in verse 11, When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils. I love lentils. My wife makes the best lentil soup in the world. And I think of Shema every time I eat her lentil soup. Oh, this is his field. There was, I'm sorry, I'm very distracted right now, but I'm focusing. There was a field full of lentils, and Israel's troops fled from the Philistines. But Shema took his stand in the middle of the lentil field. And he defended that field, and he struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Sounds very similar to Eleazar, if you were here last week. Again, a guy who was deserted. All of his co-soldiers fled in terror. And this lone man stood to fight, and God brought a great victory through him. In this passage, I want to highlight these last few sentences here because I find this mysterious irony, if you will. Maybe you see it as well. If we were to ask what happened on that day, in one sense, we could sum it up by saying that Shammah defended the lentil field and struck down the Philistines. I saw it. Shammah won the day. But if you had eyes to see behind the scenes, you'd say, oh, there was something else going on. Also, the Lord brought about a great victory. Folks, it's so curious to see this propensity of God to do this sacred dance, if you will, this dance between human obedience and divine power. When, when we explain what went down that day, It's not easy to get our hands around because 
Two things were simultaneously being woven together. And that was the great heroic obedience of Shema, who said, I will fight, Lord, because you have called me. And yet, in that simple obedience of that normal person, the power of God was woven into his thoughts and actions and deeds. God loves to do this. I don't know if you're aware of it, but when you study the Bible, you'll find throughout it that God loves to fuse his power in our ordinary lives. And God says, I am the God. I could, the Lord says, just employ my power in this, the events of life without human agency. But God goes, ah, it's not my preference. My preference is to find ordinary people and to employ my power in them and through them. Isn't that extraordinary? If I were to ask, how many of you would like to taste that sacred dance? How many of you would like to feel the power of God at work through you to accomplish something extraordinary? You know, every one of us would love that. And I have good news. Every one of us is promised that. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that dynamic is yours to enjoy. And you say, really? Well, in the Old Testament, it was not as common as it is today. Today, this dynamic exists in this thing the New Testament describes as spiritual gifting. Spiritual gifts are superpowers enablings that God brings to bear in the life of Christians that create a capacity for them to accomplish things in his name that they'd never be able to accomplish on their own. And so having established a foundation in the Old Testament, I'd like now to turn to the New Testament to read a verse about spiritual gifts. This is uh, turning now to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, and I'm reading this time out of the New Living Translation. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That is an awesome verse. If you can live that, your life will never be the same. See this serve one another? I just want to point out that's what's on the shirts. These, these shirts come from this verse. This priority of our church is born right out of this verse. But let, let's start as we anal- analyze this with the, the phrase spiritual gifts. We, we need to start right there. What exactly are they and how are they different from natural giftedness? This is, it gets a little confusing, and so if you allow me, I'd like to provide some clarity. The Bible acknowledges that there's natural giftedness. What is giftedness? Well, when a kid is gifted, what we're meaning, in a sense, is they can do something so well. They're gifted athletically or gifted musically or gifted academically or math or whatever it might be. And a natural gifting is an ability you receive genetically. You know, you just... Both are gifts from God. Can we acknowledge that? It's a good thing that gifts, that term is used because you can't boast about either of these, uh, these uh, abilities. They're, they're from God. But 
natural gifting comes through your genetics, you know, you just have it hardwired into your DNA, you can develop it through practice and through training and experience. But we all know what natural gifting is. Super or spiritual gifting is different. It doesn't have origin in your genetic disposition. Rather, it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is an enabling you receive when you became a Christian. The Holy Spirit moved into you that very day. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does in us is enable us supernaturally to do something well. And that something will always be in service to the cause of God. In fact, that direction or purpose is different. With, which na- with natural gifting, it doesn't have to be in service to the Lord. People, you know, watch a game, a show like Voice or America's Got Talent or something. You know, what do you see there? You see people who have natural gifting that they can use for selfish purposes. Spiritual giftings is never functional for selfish purposes. It must be employed for the glory of God and for the advance of his church, or it'll just be shut down. It won't work. All right? Maybe some examples would be helpful. Um, I believe that I have the spiritual gift of preaching. Now, you disagree, but we can talk about that later. Um, That is not, in my case, a natural gifting. When I look at my life as a teenager, I took classes in public speaking and nearly failed every one of them. Some people are surprised by that, but it's absolutely true. I was terrible. That was a natural or a lack of natural gifting. I was striving not for the advance of God's kingdom, but but to get an A. And so spiritual gifting was not employed in that setting. And naturally, I did terrible. I, I had some speeches I couldn't even finish. I was so anxious and stressed out and just... Did horrible. And yet when God called me to preach and to teach his word towards a different objective, there was suddenly an awakening within me and a capacity that I had never known before. Spiritual gifting. Now, you may ask, is it possible for an ability to be both a natural ability and a spiritual gifting? I think so. I'm going to use my wife as an example, all right? My wife has the spiritual gift of hospitality. Jen is unbelievable at making people feel at home, of making people feel loved and comfortable and treasured. I mean, she's just marvelous. Now, you may say, no, that's a natural ability because Jen is just a people person. Even from a little kid, she started talking and never stopped since. You know, she is just outgoing in that way. And so... I would say, yes, you're right. She's a people person, and there is a natural gifting that's there. But I'm convinced as I observe it, it is supercharged with the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God took a natural gifting, in my wife's case, and has made it 
supernaturally effective. As evidenced uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, church was long over. All normal people had left by that point. Me and my three kids are sitting in the minivan right outside these doors here, waiting for Jen to stop talking to folks in the lobby. And as we were looking through the front window there, my daughter, Jora, just said, Mom is amazing. She is hugging those people right now like they're lifelong best friends, and she just met them. And we all, not having those gifts, marvel at her capacity to connect with strangers and make them feel loved and a part of things. It's, it's a God thing. It's supernatural. Little aside towards that end, this you may not know. Um, when I was being interviewed two years ago to be the potential pastor here, um, there was a consultant that the Compass Church had hired to help with that process. The consultant met with Jen and I, had lunch with both of us. And the consultant said to the search committee, I don't want you to meet his wife which is a strange thing to say. And they asked why. And they said, you will so fall in love with her that you'll hire the guy just to get her. And you need... This is so true. I'm not stretching it at all. And uh, he said, you'll, you'll, you'll forget and you'll fail to remember that it's actually him you're hiring and not her. And trust me, he is not that much. You know, uh, you, you need to... Remember who it is you're getting, and he wouldn't let them meet her. <laughs> That's Jen's gift of hospitality on display. It's, it's remarkable. So spiritual gifts, different than natural gifting, potentially could be linked by, if the Spirit so chooses. Very exciting dynamic. Moving along, the next thing I want to highlight is that it says, each of you. This is Amazing. This is the love of God on display. (laughs) It says, if I read this correctly, God has given each one of you, every single Christian, has been given a spiritual gift. God leaves nobody out of this exciting adventure. God, in his infinite love, has looked at every single one of his children and says, I love you so much that I'm going to bless you with a spiritual gift and give you a role to play in my cause that will satisfy your heart with its deep cravings for significance. God says, I'm going to use you all. Isn't that awesome? At least one spiritual gift. If you're a Christian, you've got at least, maybe more, but at least one spiritual gift. Next, uh, variety. This is important. These spiritual gifts come with a variety of different ones. Uh, This is brilliant on God's part. He could have made us all gifted at the same thing. But God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to gift them all differently. And by gifting us differently, he has created a dynamic where the church is united in its interdependence, its reliance on each other. The way that God illustrates this in the Bible and 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 is the body. He uses the analogy of the body. He said, you know, people are like body parts. You know, the body has got a hand and a foot and a nose and an eye, a mouth, ear. All these different parts are so different, and yet they're all essential. 
The hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. No, the hand says, I need you. I'm so glad you're there. Because we all do something different. And God says, that's just like the church. The church is a body where all the people are different parts and they all do different things and they need each other. Isn't that beautiful how God orchestrated things? You know, to illustrate this, I years ago had a dream. This, I was a young man that I wanted to be a worship leader. I bought a guitar. I started practicing guitar. started singing and practicing my voice. I was terrible. And the more I practiced, the worse I got. And at one point, I, had a, I was so frustrated. Lord, why? Why am I not getting better at this? And God spoke to me and said, Jeff, give up. Stop it. God said, Jeff, I have not gifted you. Not naturally and not supernaturally. And I felt God say, and I never will. God said, Jeff, because I want you to need those who are gifted in this way. I'm going to gift you to preach, but not to lead worship and not to do the other gifts so that you desperately need the people in your church to do what I've called them to do. And in doing so through variety, I will create unity. Isn't that beautiful? So, Not only variety, but I want to point to the word great variety. God didn't just create two or three spiritual gifts, but he created a ton of them. In fact, uh, the Bible has lists of gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, which I've already mentioned, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. There are a number of passages that list spiritual gifts. And in order to bless you, uh, you should receive on your way in a list of biblically described spiritual gifts. This card, it says spiritual gifts on it. It's fascinating to take this home, to read through it. You'll find you resonate with some of them, and others of them, you're like, oh, oh, that's not me. Folks, as you read this, uh, one of the things you'll see is many of them come from the New Testament. There's one that actually comes, number three, craftsmanship, which I think I have a little bit of. I love working with my hands to, to serve the Lord. Uh, in Exodus 31, it talks about a guy by the name of Bezalel. And it says, the Spirit of God entered him and enabled him to build things, namely the Ark of the Covenant. Remember what we studied uh, a while back? Uh, there are so many spiritual gifts listed here. I also want to clarify that this list is incomplete in a number of ways. First of all, it doesn't have all of the spiritual gifts found in the Bible. But secondly, uh, those biblical gifts were never intended to be an exhaustive list. Um, You know, when, when it comes to these lists, we find every time God gives us a list of spiritual gifts, it differs from the other lists. And we're like, how come you're not using the same list? And the reason is God's saying, I'm giving you examples of ways that I can show up, but don't limit it to these lists. These are just examples. For example, we got guys in the tech booth back there behind the glass that are serving the Lord with supernatural enabling. And yet they say, you know, mixing sound is not found in the Bible. I've looked all over for it, you know. Does that mean it's not a gift? No. Whatever you discover God enabling you to do in service to him is your spiritual gift. There are a great variety. Next, moving along, we've got has given. We've got to go back to the beginning of this verse because this is important. Does it say will give someday? 
No, it's speaking to Christians and it's saying it's already been done. You've got this enabling. And some of you may say, no, I don't. I I don't have a spiritual gift. I'm a Christian without a spiritual gift. And I'd say you're also a liar because that's not true. You may not have discovered your spiritual gift, but by the authority of God's word, I can tell you, you've got one. And since it's past tense, have, has given, you need to discover what that is. And there's a number of ways to discover your spiritual gift. You know, one of them is just by reading this list. You may find yourself just resonating with one where you say, maybe that's it. Another way is to take a spiritual gift inventory. Have, have you ever done that before? It's a little questionnaire. You answer the questions, and then you kind of process your answers, and it points you in a direction. It's not perfect. It, it doesn't always get it right. But uh, we were just led through, uh, as staff, we took a spiritual gift inventory with Brett Lilly, our campus pastor at the 95th Street campus, leading it. And it was so good for me to discover, you know, maybe I've got another spiritual gift here that I was unaware of. So I would really encourage you. We have some available in printed form at Compass Central, but you can go on our website and we have a spiritual gift inventory available on our website. It's highlighted on the front page these days because of our emphasis in this series. So take a spiritual gift inventory. The best way, though, to discover your spiritual gift is through trial and error. Try By going out there and getting engaged in the name of the Lord in some service to him and seeing. Sometimes it won't work, you know, like me and guitar, you know, just don't got it. I know that because I tried. In other cases, all of a sudden it clicks and you realize this is God. And to try, we wanted to provide you with some guidance in that regard as well. And so in the seats in front of you, you'll find a serve card. And this is really fun. On the backside of the serve card, it lists. We, we have so many unique opportunities of service. And this serve card provides you an opportunity to check a box and to say, I'd love to discover more about how I might get involved in serving the Lord. To try something. You're not making any promises. You're just saying, I'd like to talk with someone about the possibility. And so I would encourage you, at the end of my message, during the closing song, there'll be a chance to pass these into the ushers. And, and you can fill one out and just say, I'd like to explore more. If you don't have, if you're just overwhelmed, quite honestly, by all the options, there's a space you can check in the bottom that just says, could I talk to somebody who might be able to guide me and help me as I try to discover my spiritual gift? Sound good? But folks, try. Eventually, you will discover that the promise of God is true. He has given you a gift in service to him. Well, next, use them. It is so important that we realize that this is a command. (laughs) It's not saying, you might consider using your spiritual gift. No, it's saying, I command you. God is saying, if you don't, it's a sin. Folks, uh, there's a passage in Jesus' teaching where he talks about the parable of the talents. And he describes this awkward conversation where this guy is given something by his master to use wisely. And the master returns and asks, how did you use what I gave you? And the guy's like, oh, well, I didn't. 
we need to avoid that awkward conversation in heaven. Can you imagine Jesus coming to you and saying, hey, welcome to heaven. How did you use my spiritual gift? And you're like, I didn't have a spiritual gift. And he's like, yeah, it kind of says that you all did. And I gave you one. And then you have to ask him, what was my spiritual gift that I didn't use while I was on earth? That's awkward. We don't want to go there. We want to obey and say, Lord, this is not optional. I see it. I'm going to find it. And I'm going to use it. All right? Next, it says, use them well. This is important because uh, apparently you can use your gift poorly or you can use your gift well. There are different levels of execution of your spiritual gift. In fact, it's, this is so pointing to the fact that you can grow in excellence with the usage of your spiritual gift. This is evidenced in 1 Timothy 4.14, where Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, don't neglect your spiritual gift, but practice using it so that everyone can see your progress. Use it well, Timothy. You're not using it well yet. But as you grow in your usage and your practice of using this gift, you will improve and everyone will see your progress. And so we need to practice using our spiritual gift until we can say we're using it well by God's grace. And then lastly, serve one another. This is just so important. Sometimes spiritual gifting leads to pride. Look at what I can do. And you know what this reminds us? Your spiritual gift is not about you. It's never been about you. It's about others and you being a blessing of service to others, enabling them to grow in Christ. And so serve one another. Just to clarify, often that's within the walls of this church. But spiritual gifts can be employed as an outreach of our church outside of the walls. When my wife uses her hospitality gift, yes, she uses it in the lobby here at church, but she uses it in our home as she reaches out in the name of Jesus and brings people in. So use your gift not to make you look great, but in humble service to the Lord his church, and others as he leads. What do you think about this concept? I think it's extraordinary that God said, I have an idea. I'm going to gift them all. I'm going to give them a superpower. Every one of them. I'm going to meet them in their faithful obedience to my leading, and I'm going to empower them to have effect beyond what they ever could have done on their own. Brilliant. Folks, I wanted to share in closing of a conversation that I had with a guy I know. We were talking about the Bears. Remember 30 years ago, the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. Some of you young people will just have to take my word for it. They really did win, and it was awesome. Amen? And my, my, my friend shocked me when he said, you know my mom's got a Super Bowl ring. Here's a picture of the Bears' Super Bowl ring, diamonds, gold, what most beautiful piece of jewelry ever. And I, I'm like, your mom doesn't have a ring. And he goes, she actually does. 
He said she was a secretary for the Chicago Bears back in 85 when they won. And the McCaskies gave a, an official Super Bowl ring, not only to the players, but to the coaches and all the front office as well. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, that's incredible. And he really went to her defense. He was proud of his mom. That was evident. He said, first of all, it's important to know my mom's role mattered. Everybody, to be an effective NFL franchise, you need players, you need coaches, you need support staff. They have an essential role. He said the McCaskies are very cheap. If they didn't need my mom, they didn't really need her, they would have let her go. They needed her. And as a result, she played an essential contribution. And he goes, and my mom is good. When it comes to managing those projects, she's awesome. And he said, my mom... She will show any visitor who comes over to the house her Super Bowl ring. And she will boast. The glory moment of this storied franchise, this nearly one century of football that the Bears have played, the pinnacle moment, the greatest victory, she can say, I was a part of the team. You may never get a Super Bowl ring, but you will get a crown. The Bible says when we get to heaven, there will be a victory celebration that puts the Super Bowl parade to shame. A victory celebration about the greatest victory in the history of the universe. The kingdom of light conquering the kingdom of darkness. The triumph of the cause of Jesus Christ that has been crafted by God and executed under his leadership and victorious by his power. And God says, in heaven, we will be given a crown to reward us for our role in that epic victory. That's not fairy tale. That's fact. You will be approached by the Lord who says, you played your role, essential role, with my power, and you did it well. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Folks, when we look at our one lives and we ask, what is it worth? You can spend your one life in any way you choose. In service to the Lord. In a role he's designed to be essential in his strategy to conquer evil and advance his cause. There's no better way to spend your one life than to say, Lord, take it. I am yours. And to anticipate that day when the crown is given in recognition of our faithful service. That's awesome. May the Compass Church be a people who get it, who understand God's commitment to empower us all. And may we be a people who refuse to not know our spiritual gift and to not use our spiritual gift. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, again, we just got to say, awesome, this idea that came into your mind called spiritual gifts, this decision to bless each of us is just awesome. God, to some of us, this is new stuff. Help us discover and enjoy the utilization of our spiritual gifts. To others of us, we've known about it, we've just neglected it. God, may we lean in and practice 
and excel for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.